Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the OrcoCast. My name is the Orcosaurus, and in this podcast, I'm talking to indie game developers about their games and the video game industry in general. So, if you like my show, then please consider subscribing on YouTube, thumb the video up, ring the bell, leave a comment, and if you're listening to one of the many podcast platforms, please consider us giving a review. And if you want to support us, please check out our Patreon. Thank you, everyone, and now on to the show. Here we go. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Arcast. Today with me is Alan. Hello. Hi there. So, Alan, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, well, I'm an indie developer from Germany and I'm making the game Battletoads Alchemist and my tiny studio is called Alchemical Works which is actually yeah I would consider it I consider myself a solo developer at this point in time although I have some help but uh, maybe we can talk about that a bit later and uh, Battletoads Alchemist that's a role playing game with some deck building and yeah okay. I think that's, that's it <laughs> yeah that sounds interesting so um first things first obviously you already mentioned it you work on Battletoads Alchemist it's yes. a role playing game it's currently not out on steam but you can register for a playtest so that's correct right if people are interested in that i have a link in the description so you can go for it other than that here's the here's the big question tell us a little bit more about your project and what it is about essentially yeah, um, the project is, yeah, as it's called, Petrus Alchemist is a role-playing game where you play an alchemist. So you can't play a ranger or a melee fighter or something, you're always an alchemist. And um, the idea came kind of from that point that um, I'm a huge fan of Diablo 2 and um, as you're familiar with it, I guess. Yes, I am. Yes, and there's, as in many RPGs, there's um, you have potions like health potions and mana potions, and the infamous uh, stamina potion that's totally useless in that game. And it was kind of the thought, hey, how can I make a, make a game where that's the main thing? Like the stamina bar is super important, and uh, everything you do is actually interacting with flasks um, or, or over flasks with the world. And yeah, that was the premise. If I can make a game out of that. And that yeah kind of got out of hand quickly and now we are four years later and yeah but i'm very happy with it (laughs) how it turned out four years is quite a long time yes Uh, do do you so before we go back to the game and i have a few questions because i actually played parts of the playtest cool Mm -hmm. um four years is a long time it is do you develop full-time or do you have like a job you basically slave away in and this is like your dream project and you do this on the side for the first uh, three years it was on the side um and now since the beginning or it's more like half a year and now it's uh, since the beginning of 2022 i've been doing it full-time yeah what spurred you on to go full-time um yeah it's a bit of a difficult story um in the end of 2021 i had uh, secured finances to go full-time and also to uh, hire uh, three people like very good friends and we started working on the game together and unfortunately the the partner we um, partnered up got into financial trouble and um yeah (laughs) and uh, then i had to unfortunately uh, lay off yeah kind of my best friends and, uh, but I decided I want to continue myself uh, full-time. I um, was self-employed before that, and I had a company, and I actually <laughs> sold my shares of that company. So um, I have um, some fine finances in the, in the background that I can rely on, although I never wanted to do that. <laughs> I wanted that to put that, I don't know, for my retirement or something, but now I have to rely on that money and uh, get the finances back on track and get my boys back on track, and yeah, that's the thing. So it's kind of an, a bit of an unfortunate story, but also um, I never regretted going full time because it's um, it's just amazing. It's, I love what I do and um, I hope everything turns out well. So it's basically chasing the big dream like so many other... Yeah, it is. It actually is, I think, yeah. May, may I ask how old you are? I'm 37 now. I, I feel like this age group 
so beginning 30s till the end of 30s this is the big thing for people mm -hmm. who grew up with video games that they start chasing their dreams and making their own game yeah and it's also what's what's interesting is i think it's also a point where you get stability in your life and then it's the more crazy to chase that you know what i mean because uh, in the in the in my 20s in my early 20s i didn't have the responsibilities i have now it doesn't make it easier to seriously chase a project and not knowing if there's any yeah stability financial um any financial stability coming from it in the future but yeah you gotta do what you gotta do i think exactly i, I think that there is a lot to it um, i think a lot of people just like we are basically one of the first generations growing up with video games and that's why we basically go into that direction and just want to chase it in, at yeah. some point if we're passionate about it you you already said that diablo 2 was like a big inspiration for battle choose alchemists would you exactly. uh cite another source of inspiration for it oh yeah um there are of course yeah, like really multiple sources um for me i'm a big um, movie buff i i love classic horror cinema like from the 30s and stuff and uh, this is a big inspiration like um, like um if in the second row, if you know what I mean, it's not like the primary. Everything is black and white or stuff. But I, I like these. I like the the vampire and the werewolf and I don't know. Um, I like uh, creepy graveyards and mists on the ground. And um, this is where I draw a lot of inspiration from. But also from other games. Like um, many people say, hey, the game is totally like Don't Starve. I wouldn't say it's totally like Don't Starve because they play quite differently. But the art style is. Very similar. Not not to the point where I say, hey, um, you might have been too inspired by it, but it looks kind of similar. If yeah, I don't think it's a bad thing. I'm just that that was mm -hmm. the, that is the first impression I feel like most people will get just through the art style. Yeah, and that's so interesting because um, for me, Don't Starve is an inspiration, but I never thought it would be that that everybody say, hey, that looks like Don't Starve. And I think there's, the funny thing is the primary association in your head, like when you you look at it and then you see the protagonist and his um, his hairstyle <laughs> kind of looks like the protagonist in Don't Starve. And that's the first thing everybody thinks of that. And But technically, it's so different because um, my game is full 3D and Don't Starve is actually uh, hand-drawn on 2D and that's like the huge different and um Another thing is Don't Starve has these desaturated colors and um, Battle Juice Alchemist has these super bright and strong colors. So um, I think the, so so I don't want to say like, oh, I'm not inspired by it, but as I said, I am. But um, I never thought that people would draw that, uh, draw it that close to Don't Starve as they do when they look at it. But it's uh, for me, it's a compliment. I always take it like as a compliment because Don't Starve is just an amazing game and looks just great, yeah. I mean, if it gets to grading that people tell you, hey, it looks like don't starve just tell everyone hey we were both in inspired by tim burton it's okay Ex oh oh yeah i totally <laughs> forgot about that yeah man of course tim burton is like the huge inspiration i mean Betelgeuse, alchemist and beetlejuice that's uh, no coincidence there in the in the past when i was young i uh, i i loved all of his movies in the 90s and like edward scissorhand and sweeney todd and also the batman movies he'd made i'm, I'm really Burton is just great. It's um, I always have also have these swirls he always has <laughs> in my clouds and in the UI and stuff. It's, yeah, of course, Burton is a big inspiration and also was for Don't Starf, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> I've played it a little bit, as I said, and I the one thing I so I, I always like to give uh, developers also a little bit of feedback. Yeah, sure. Um, I felt like that the UI felt a little bit clunky, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Some some stuff is really huge, and then some other stuff like um, the symbols for the inventory oh, no, okay. and stuff like that, and logs is really small. Uh, do you mm -hmm. do you think you want to redesign the UI, or does it work for you in that way already? Um, I had this um, premise that um, UI in many games is really small actually today and um, I thought I want to counter that and that's why the main UI is like really big and but now that you say um, you felt like the UI in the inventory is really small this might then be something that I should address actually um, people have not complained about the UI so much about the size um, 
I think it's not perfect because it's not like my, I'm not like professional UI designer first or anything. And this is why I think it can need improvement. And um, yeah, I will uh, take a look at it again for, for sure. I mean, it, it's not in its final state. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, you're still uh, in development. You're point, uh, version point 0.2 now, right? So mm -hmm. there's still a, a long way to go. Yeah. How how would you describe your uh, four years journey from like the initial concept of the game to now? Was it really good for you, and or was it more uh, a, a more learning, a, a more painful learning exercise? I think it's been amazing. I in the in the I mean in the beginning it's it's so cool if you start a project and it's um, and you're not um, like counting financially on it and stuff and then it's everything's exciting like every week you you grind away and put things in and I um, always describe it as um, you can play God kind of because you know you you my world for example is procedurally generated and then you grind away on the code and write and write and write and suddenly you fire up the game and uh, the algorithm place uh, places like rivers or a tree and stuff and then you walk around in the world you created and it's i mean it's it's an amazing it's an amazing thing and um and for me it, it doesn't it Game, game development doesn't become a chore in a way. I'm, I'm really happy with grinding away long-term projects. I, I don't have any problems with motivation. That's what many uh, developers, um, I think, but that's more like, um, how do you say, like indie developers that do it part-time or do it um, um, beside their job. They say, oh, it's hard for me to stay motivated. I actually don't have that. It's, it's very easy for me to get up every morning at six and grind away <laughs> as long as I can. It's, I'm, that's like kind of my, my superpower, so I don't hate that. But of course, there are so many difficulties that you always face. The biggest one is also financing, of course, and um, you have to do a lot of things beside making the game. Actually, the um, making the game part is the part that I consider where I um, kind of don't see the biggest difficulties. I mean, there's always... I mean, you have programming problems and bugs, but you will figure them out or something's not right with the graphic, but you will figure that out. But the real challenge is, in my eyes, has been the, the business part of things. That's um, where you can have roadblocks that are really hard to, to, to succumb. And yeah, but still uh, love doing it. Um, had a great time and yeah, the, the, the last half year where I've done it full time, I've been, yeah, it's, 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 been, it's been a lot of fun, yeah. That, that sounds that sounds great. So, what engine are you using to make your game? I'm using Unreal Engine 4. Um, obviously, when I started out, Unreal Engine 5 um, wasn't out, and I don't rule out like switching from Unreal 4 to Unreal 5 at some point. But um, I haven't. I don't want to do that in the in the in the. Um, in the near future because I think the things that uh, Unreal 5 brings to the table is also for very realistic games and stuff and it optimizes stuff that I wouldn't profit so much from because the game is quite abstract and low poly and um, yeah so I decided not to put that high on the priority list but I don't um, rule it out to do it in the future. It's, it's actually interesting you're the second like I always try to ask um, the indie devs I interview what engine they are using, and it's mm -hmm. actually interesting. You're the second one using Unreal. I always mm -hmm. thought that Unreal is like more something like you said for bigger project games or games that are less abstract. I always pictured like uh, indie devs going more for Unity, but mm -hmm. we will talk about Unity in a little bit probably. Sure. <laughs> Um, when we come to the part about the gaming industry, what interests me is um, where or when did you decide for yourself to make video games and which video game did you personally play that where you said, okay, I want to make one of those? I think so. I think one of the sparks was um, must have been in the mid '90s when um, I was playing XCOM, the original one. Uh, maybe you're familiar with it or Terror from the Deep. That was. Uh, I am. I, I played yeah. more Terror of the Deep, but yeah, I know both. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Because we're both from Germany, and I think everybody here played Terror from the Deep more. I, I don't know. I, I found I, XCOM after Terror from the Deep. I don't know how that happened. Same here. But I. So so here's my. I, 
I'm, I'm gonna give a little bit of insight. I still remember mm -hmm. I, I had a friend, um, basically a neighbor kid, um, who lived one door over to my grandma. And he had a f 486. Yes. And a little bit after that, I got my first Pentium and Windows 95 and whatnot, right? Uh -huh. So, and, and then we went shopping. Toys R Us video games, <laughs> and I saw this terror from the deep like box. Uh -huh. You know when video games still came in really cool boxes. Those... Oh yeah, I collect them. I have them right behind me. <laughs> I and I wanted that, and my granny was like, "Yeah, isn't that like a little bit too violent for you?" And I'm like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> yes. and, and just and and I just got it, you know. I I, I got so cool. I got a few few games with it, and um, yeah, it was actually pretty awesome. And so what I, what was on the cover? How did the German cover look? Because I only only had a, a, a oh I shouldn't say that maybe here I had a backup copy of I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Is it this hand? Yeah, of yeah. The alien? Cool. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's the one I have now because I got it later, like when I started collecting. And it's this cool alien hand that's super naturally, like, like super realistically drawn. And there's, I think, a bit of blood on it. And it's, it's, it looks like of a fishman or something. And it's, it sparks the imagination. Like it's super cool box art. I mean, it's, it's also heavily inspired by the Cthulhu mythos. <laughs> it was such a good game. Like if, if Amazing you are. Game. If you are a um, young gamer listening in, I dare you to go back and play XCOM Terror from the Deep. I don't know yeah. if you guys and gals can um, make it run on your system, but... Oh yeah, you can You can get it on uh, GOG and I think it's even on Steam. Um, it, there it? was this... Yeah, yeah, there was this dark time like five or ten years ago where it was hard to get it to run, but today it's uh, easily available. Yeah, it's very good. Okay, you heard it. Mm -hmm. It's easily available. Go back and play it because it's actually, I, I mean, the graphics are a very MS-DOS. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I feel like if any of these games, of these older games, this is one that aged quite well because it has mm -hmm. very good mechanics. And that's yes. probably one of the most important aspects in a video game, so it ages well. Yeah, and it, I mean, the, the newer XCOMs, they aren't totally different. And this was, it was an uh, amazing game. And um, because you asked how, how did it inspire me to make games? And for me, it was, um, I had XCOM and I had Terror from the Deep and I started copying files from one to the other and see what happened because I couldn't code or anything, but I could take influence on the game that way. And I, then I, I don't know, if I copied this file, I started seeing, hey, there are the aliens from the one uh, game in the other game and stuff because just the the, the sprites got swapped mm -hmm. yeah. and yeah that was a, a kind of a turning point and but the bigger one where I really started was half-life like making maps modding this is uh where i started learning 3d stuff and um yeah so half-life was so moddable and it came on this also in a big box and with a cd and there was the level editor on this cd and i started uh, i think i got it and then my summer was gone i just stayed at home and started working on uh, half-life maps and I don't know, I even wrote emails to the original creators who made it for Half-Life. Can you send me the open level file so I can put this tank into this level? <laughs> <laughs> and they did. They actually did. The, really? One of the creators. Yeah, I, I remember. I don't know if it was, I think it was on the, uh, it was uh, called Crossfire. It was this map and he, the, the maker sent me the open files and then I could even yeah hack away on that and it was so cool it was amazing yeah man valve this is like they have always supported their fans massively you cannot <sighs> deny that in any way shape that is an awesome story. I love that. <laughs> yeah, it was. I don't know if, um, but I remember that in the file it said his nickname or something in in the text file because every map came with a text file and I and kind of stalked him on the internet so it didn't go over Valve. It just was this private thing. But um, my memory is a bit fuzzy. Maybe Crossfire also wasn't an official map or and just the one that we played a lot. It was. I'm I'm not sure on that one, but it could be that he was um, with Valve. But I'm not. Uh, percent sure here <laughs> okay um but the 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 important part is you got what you needed and you could take yeah. her away so this is this is pretty exactly amazing. yeah and the guy is uh, no matter where he worked it's uh, it's a great guy <laughs> <laughs>
Okay, so basically Half-Life was mm -hmm. the spark that lit the fire. Yeah. If mm -hmm. you could say that. So you started and so you started making out uh, you started out making mods mm -hmm. did you exactly. release any mods or is there any mods still up from you people could find that's a crazy another cr quite sad story but also i'm not sad about it because it's um uh it's it's it, it shaped me like crazy it's um in 2007 i uh, joined a modding team and we uh, wanted to remake, uh, uh, not remake, but um, make uh, an, an alternate uh, Ultima 9. Because um, I don't know if you're familiar with the franchise. It was um, till Ultima 8, everybody was quite happy. And then came the Ultima 9. And um, yeah, people didn't like it that much, much uh, Ultima 9 Ascension. And we wanted to make a, a, a like a fan sequel to that. Okay. Can, I, can I say something about uh, Ultima 9 real quick? Yeah, sure. Uh, Ultima 9 is a fucking disgrace on the franchise. It needs to be thrown into the fire. I'm done I mean, with my rant. <laughs> I, I put a lot of work of trying to fix that. In, mm. I mean, I, I will tell you how many years in a second, <laughs> but yeah. But you wanted to say? fix that mess? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was the idea was to start where Ultima 8 ended and make and tell our own story for Ultima 9. That was our goal, like because every, we also weren't like that happy about what happened with Ultima 9. But I have to say, I don't hate Ultima 9 as violently as you do, <laughs> and maybe as many of my team members did, because I played it, I still played it a lot, because it was cool, you could walk around in this lush 3D world, at least at this time it felt like a lush world, because there was like some grass every 10 meters or something, and I felt like, oh man, this is this is the shit, this is so cool, and and I, I like still played Ultima 9 a lot, I didn't, but I understand that it's, yeah, from, from an Ultima point of view, it's not a, it's not a, it's not part of the canon. Yeah, I, I like. I feel that way too. <laughs> yeah, and then I, I joined in 2007. We started out with that, and we wanted to make it in a moral wind. And um, it was crazy ambitious. The mod was uh, like a total conversion of Morrowind. And we, I worked on it from 2007 till uh, 2014. <laughs> so while we were still working on a Morrowind mod, um, uh, Oblivion had come out. And I think even Skyrim <laughs> at some point had already come out when we were still working our Morrowind total conversion. Um, and it didn't see the light of the day. Uh, it's, all, it's quite unfortunate. It's, um, I was a modeler back then. Um, I, everything I did was 3D modeling. I couldn't code in any way. And then our team lead like kind of disappeared from the from, from the face of the earth. And uh, it was difficult. And we ran into into troubles with um, Morrowind engine. And actually, our programmer, he's insane. He's he. Um, started the OpenMW project kind of because of, oh no, he didn't start it, but he kind of became the lead of it for years to be able to do the things that we can finish our um, our mod. Uh, if you're familiar, maybe OpenMW is like the, they rewrote the Morrowind engine from scratch. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so he yeah. was busy doing that at some point, and so we couldn't finish it. And then, yeah, we kind of all were seven years older, many had kids, and everybody had a job and stuff, and then we couldn't finish this mammoth project. But I learned so much, like creating assets for a game and um, doing 3D stuff, working on it as a team. It's um, I learned a lot of from it, but it's not available. You can't play it, and that's that sucks. That, that's that's quite a biography, quite a yeah. um, interesting one actually. I've tinkered with with Oblivion and um, Oblivion and um, Morrowind mods too. Mm -hmm. uh, not as much as you did, or not as ambitious as you did. The best thing I I ever did was like I modeled naked boobs on on. Uh, <laughs> On, on, on an elven lady, that's probably the best I ever did. <laughs> hey, I was a horny teenager, okay? <laughs> that's my contribution to Morrowind modding. Mm -hmm. But if you released it, you did more than I did. <laughs> I mean, the, 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 I, I always maintained, because I'm not, also not a huge fan of Skyrim, I was a huge fan of Morrowind, and I mm -hmm. still maintain that Morrowind and Daggerfall are the best games in the series. Yeah, I, I mean, it's 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 uh, in some points like Morrowind is quite wonky, I would say, and things are not like balanced and crazy. But you have this feeling, I think, when you walk in Morrowind and um, interact with NPCs and with spells and stuff, you have a freedom 
that you didn't even have in Skyrim or Oblivion. It's it's like this everything goes. It's like a bit crazy. Or maybe it was the time that I played it that my mind thought everything was possible in this world. Maybe it is, maybe it's also that, but it's it just feels amazing and I also have it very dear at my heart, yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't think you're you're wrong there though, because I feel like Morrowind is more the um it is the really open, more experimental mm -hmm. version of this world. I mean Daggerfall was crazy in and yeah. of itself. Um let's not open that can of worms. <laughs> But if you if you just look at Morrowind and from there on out. You have Morrowind mm -hmm. that was r relatively deep. You had absurd amounts of combinations you could do mm -hmm. with your character and it would work out in some weird way <laughs> yeah a and that was that was the crazy thing and you could also just kill like npcs that were relevant oh, yeah. to the story yeah. and and you okay i mean you couldn't progress in the story anymore but the world would still exist nobody would care yeah. like yeah. and that's that that's pretty crazy to me and then they streamlined everything about mm -hmm. Morrow went down to Oblivion and then yeah. they streamlined Oblivion even more and that's yeah. where we arrived at Skyrim and Skyrim mm -hmm. might have the breadth of an ocean but it has only the depth of a puddle because you can't experiment <laughs> yeah. anything yeah. with it and before everyone anyone says in the comments oh you can't fix it with mods i don't <laughs> give a shit the only important mods for skyrim are the porn mods there I <laughs> okay, okay. Um, yeah, i mean it's um i also take that uh, design philosophy with me for my game for Battlejust alchemist it's like um during the game you learn um ritual magic i don't know if you if you got to that point where you're taught ritual magic it's like you learn um, people tell you it's also inspired by uh, Ultima you learn a mantra and you learn I have to burn a certain number of ingredients and then have to say speak a, a certain mantra and that creates an alchemic spell kind of that's like a perma buff and um, if you learn that as a player and you can take it to your next playthrough this doesn't mean it's not uh, character level locked so if you play the next time and you still know the combinations you can from level one on you can use these things so um i try to design uh around to um, have this feeling of i don't know this is like it's a bit old school you know like um i i love that when games do that when i'm not restricted too much on this railroad and i'm only like i'm on this um joyride and i only can look left and right and wave but when i feel like I can really explore and do things and I sometimes I get that um, yeah I try to catch that with the for example with the ritual casting that you can do at level one if you want to if you know the spells you can do it yeah that, that that's actually awesome not a lot of devs do that these days because they they are like afraid oh the player um the player yeah, don't give him too much power yeah, yeah oh, don't yeah. give him too much power he can't have the same power but I feel like that's great and You said ulti like Ultima Underworld. I mean, you mm -hmm. you're obviously an Ultima fan since you played Ultima 8 and 9 and probably also a lot of other Ultima games. So I can Seven at I, least. Yeah, yeah I I, but I, I'm not that old school that I played the very old ones. No, I, I didn't either. I started with mm -hmm. seven. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was seven. Mm. So I, personally, like I said, I can also see a little bit of these traces in your game now as well, since you mentioned it. So that's that's mm -hmm. kind of exciting. <laughs> that's cool. Do you do you have any idea when you will finish the game? Is there already an a deadline or, or that you set yeah. yourself? It's, it's again, it's difficult. Um, It's, it depends on multiple factors. It's, um, as I said, financial things have to be figured out. Um, like, uh, I, I'm, I'm talking to people, but nothing is set in stone. And um, I have to be a bit vague here. I mean, but you're, you're familiar yeah, with that, 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 that as a studio, you can't always talk about who you're talking to and what you're talking about and stuff. But um, there are things, these are possibilities. And there's also in Germany, we have this, um, um, game funding from the um, from the state and that's also uh, pending for my game and so I will have to see um, how much resources will I have and this depends on when I will finish it because the way how I want to finish it will take me quite some more time 
But to be able to invest this time, I need external money. If I don't have that, I will have to finish it in a, a bit smaller scope and hope that it sells well to be able to continue supporting it and make more content. Um, so this depends on, on some factors that are not decided yet and they won't be before the end of uh, 2022. And um, yeah, so that's a big question mark, but the good thing is, I'm un unless I break my neck or something, <laughs> I uh, will be able to finish it in any any case, um, relying on my own money and hope, but hopefully to also with some external money to make it like in the big way I want to finish it. Um, yeah. So basically, it's actually so what what you or, or what you said was that you want to hire your friends back so yeah. basically what happens is if you get the money you can mm -hmm. hire your friends back you yes. can expedite the process so yes. yeah and there's those... such an interesting thing about it because what you played what you see you can say that's a hundred percent me i like make everything every line of code i don't buy any asset not code assets not visual assets i make the music myself i make everything i make the visuals i make the 3d cinematic intro and stuff everything but um in the short period of time where i had um was working with friends on it like the one is an um, art director and the other one is a 2d and 3d artist and the, the just the the two months that they put their um their work into it and they put their head onto it it made huge leaps it looks so much better now just because they put me on track because it's i realized that um being solo developer is great and all but more eyes and people who are really invested in the project because they yeah actually you have to pay them i mean i can't ask anybody to put all their money and risk into a game that's not their own and so but if you if you, if you get people professionally involved and more pairs of eyes are interested to make a good product a great game then it becomes so much better and i saw that in this short period of time that i would really love to finish it that way and when i say i, I won't it's i mean i would hire like two people it's it's not like we would expand into a giant company or anything yeah no but i get it people people need to live too and salaries yeah. in germany are rather yes. expensive because exactly. if you hire people you have to pay like part of their health insurance and whatnot it's exactly to, yes. just for the people who, who are listening from abroad hiring someone in germany is expensive yes because of tax rules yeah it's tax and i mean it's great that we have health ins health insurance that's a great thing but as you say it's also it's a lot for example i mean for what i um if i pay somebody here and maybe like in comparison would hire somebody to do the same job in poland it's like three times more expensive it's like i could hire three people in poland compared to one person in germany it's something that of that could be the ratio and that makes it difficult to make games in germany and this is why i'm quite glad that that there is also this government funding that makes it a bit easier for studios, but um, it's not accessible to anybody. It's not like you can be, um, uh, uh, you, you have to have a company for that. You have to, can't do it as a freelancer or no, uh, you need to, to, to have a, uh, how do you say, like a limited, have to found a company to be able to qualify for that funding. And, um, but yeah, I'm not complaining. It's um, it's great that we have the opportunity to do it. Yeah. Oh, obviously, like I said, hmm. I I don't think you're complaining. I just explained it for people from abroad listening in. Oh yeah. Because they might not understand why it's such a hassle to hire hmm. someone here. It is. It is. Yeah. And I I didn't mean to judge it or anything. It's just no, no. That's fine. I, I didn't understand it that way. Yeah, sure. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Um. So if you if you could. In, or if you could change one thing about your game in the current mm -hmm. development, what would that be? What could I, if I could change one thing? There's one thing that I'm at the moment thinking about, and maybe because you played it, maybe you can help me answer the question. Um, at the current point in time, um, I am working on things that are not um, actually in my um, budget plan and in my production schedule. This means I'm grinding away on, um, I'm polishing um, and not um, working on the story at this point in time, like more story places. I'm I'm trying to make the game itself better because um, the the other things would be paid off of um, yeah other finances. It's a bit difficult. So I'm 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 also working on implementing mechanics that I um, think that make sense at the current point in time, and um, I'm thinking um, about. Uh, having some basic base building in the game. It's um, because I want to feed into this um, into this fantasy that you're an alchemist. 
and um, you are not doing things with a sword and stuff, but you are using your head and constructing things. This is also why potion crafting is important in the game. But I thought about you being able to construct this modular lab in the field and getting like profits from that, like it produces these flasks that you profit from during combat. Um, I don't know if you played like V Rising that just came out. They are doing that where you can build, it's an action RPG, but you can still build this little base. And this is something I would really like to see in the game, although it, it wasn't planned and it's not in my budget uh, schedule, but, uh, budget schedule, yeah. And um, yeah, what, what do you say? Would you say that would be so cool if, if you could do that as the alchemist? Or would you say, oh no, that was just another system. It would over encumber the game. My initial thought is what purpose would it serve to the gameplay and to the game itself? Yeah, that's a good question. And in my, um, it's, uh, I want to gear into that, um, that it's fun to um, express yourself in that way, that in this game you don't have um, character classes, you're always the alchemist. And so how do you develop your character? And the answer is, in my case, it's through um, legendary items at the moment. It's that way you have this item that turns all your flasks into barrels. So you don't throw a flask anymore that explodes, but you place a barrel. And so you have this new class. It's like you now you're a trapper, you know, because you can place traps. And this is how you skill in the game. You, you build your character through legendary items. And I would think that this crafting mechanic would um, allow you to um, be more different from uh, to, to change up um, the different playthroughs by placing specific like field labs. So this would be a, a way to go deeper in character development and different character builds. That's kind of the thought behind it. I can see that working. Mm -hmm. And I would be open to the idea as long, like I said, I don't have any background in gaming design or anything. I'm just a backseat game developer. Yeah, but, yeah, but you're a player and you know, you play a lot of games. I mean, I've played games for three decades, but I also understand <laughs> yeah. the limitations of being a game mm -hmm. developer. Um, mm -hmm. I started doing a little bit dabbling in my own game. I, I, I do mm -hmm. something in RPG Maker, like Baby's First Engine. I do somewhat understand both processes. I'm I'm mm -hmm. a gamer, first and foremost, and somewhat also a developer because I do understand the processes and what what goes into making a game, actually. And you talk might... to a lot of developers. Yeah, that, also, that, you, you know the industry and yeah. That, that too. I don't know how I ended up here, but yes, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> So just, just to get to my point, mm -hmm. if it serves a purpose in the game and you outlined the purpose, which I say, yeah, that, that sounds cool. The, the thing is, what I'm asking is, because I played We Rising actually very extensively, I played 100 mm -hmm. hours of it. Okay. <laughs> so you have like these, the game outright doesn't tell you, but if you look at the map, you have these dedicated like places where you can build your castle mm -hmm. and building the castle serves an actual in-game purpose uh, did you play it yes mm -hmm. yes okay then you know that you have to build this one altar and the more yeah. end bosses you slay the more stuff for customization do you do uh, you unlock mm -hmm. um so it's really deeply ingrained into the gameplay yes it, it does it does something very different from the usual customization it ingrains it extremely yes. deeply into the gameplay i don't know if we want to go that route or if it's just customization for the heck of it i can yes. see working both mm -hmm. just just uh try and and this is my tip try to make it more or try to make it meaningful in at least one yeah. way yeah, for the that's game. a very good point i mean as you say it is not in my original design design documents and stuff it's mean it, it could the danger is to put a lot of work on it into it and then it's just like a stupid afterthought that nobody wanted and nobody used and i put like three months of work into it that's a danger but um yeah I, I think it's an interesting thought and i will have it in my mind because i mean the question was like as you said um if you could change something th this is these uh this was just what came to my mind like um what what could it be like what could what could the game maybe also be and if it comes to that point it's uh, it's it's not likely i will see but i, I appreciate the input because uh, you also played the game and it's it's very it's a very good uh, point that you say yeah don't sla just slap it on for the heck of it it's uh, that's that's always a bad idea i i for another example i 
I had an interview with another developer who makes a side-scrolling action game that was heavily inspired by Mega Man, for example. Mm -hmm. And he was at, at the question, like, because I gave him the feedback, look, you need to make different weapons. You can't just have mm -hmm. one weapon in that game. And mm -hmm. then he was asking around what 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 does he want to do? Like mm -hmm. a contrast-styled um, upgrade system, mm -hmm. a Mega Man-styled upgrade system, mm -hmm or um a skill tree and i was like don't do the skill tree yeah everyone does skill trees in this game they are lame and just don't yeah because it I feels just... tacked on and and yeah. that is what i always want to emphasize that just avoid mm -hmm. the tact on this like you said and i feel it is a good way more customization is always good mm -hmm. and it's also worth thinking about it and mm -hmm. how to implement it into the game just make it meaningful yeah that's my yeah tip. i totally agree you know what's fun you just thought we just talked about v rising and mega man isn't it like in v rising it's a bit like mega man you know that you kill the the super bosses and then you get their abilities that's kind of never yeah, thought it's, about it's that a it's a little bit like mega man yeah you're right yeah. actually <laughs> it, like i said it it v rising has i don't know how they made it but it has an ingenious gameplay loop. Yeah. The only thing I'm afraid of is that, or it actually happened, that it after the massive hype it had, that it has like this um, Valheim syndrome where it just will wither away because they I can't see. roll out the updates fast enough mm -hmm. because it's still okay. early access. I mean, I got a hundred hours out of the early access. I won't <laughs> yeah. complain at all. It's like 20 euros. It's like super yeah, cheap. It's crazy. super fun. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. it, it is insanely well made and well polished yeah. they they Combat made this amazing yeah it's it's this this is also one of my one of my favorite parts about me rising is the combat because yeah. the combat is so well made mm -hmm. that this is this is like the everything they made it's just super well interwoven with each others each other there's so many systems in there and they they sat down they really thought about this and it's just a super well thought out game and, yes. and they have a great combat system they i mean i, I could go on for hours but let, let's just put <laughs> it that way me rising is a great game and if you haven't played it you should be ashamed of yourself <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so back to Battle Choose Alchemist. Yes. I find it interesting that you actually have the balls to throw fairly early on in the game a one-hit kill enemy at the player. How does that come? This whole tutorial level, the new level, is um, the one where you start the, the game in. This has, hasn't been there only, f I think, for, I don't know, three months or so. Um, before that, you started in the town after that, and you didn't have much explanation. So actually, what you played, the, the, the new tutorial, um, this one is pretty new. And at this time where I was working on it, I watched a lot of Elden Ring <laughs> Let's Plays. And there's this, uh, and uh, I never really played Dark Souls. And, um, uh, and, and it's the thing there, right? There's this enemy you encounter early on and the enemy kills you. And I was like, when I saw this le the Let's Plays of Elden Ring, I was like, oh, you're allowed to do that with the player? <laughs> and and then I thought about it. I thought, yeah, that's that's kind of cool. I mean, it sets the world. I mean, in, in Elden Ring, it also it explains you a mechanic and how you approach the world in general. It's not in my case. It's not really that way. But it's um, it still tells you, hey, things can be really dangerous in this world. It's not like everything's before that, before you get killed by this uh, pumpkin demon, uh, you only encounter quite weak enemies. And then there's this one guy that you can't kill and you have to learn the, the, to learn the sneak mechanic. It's like this smoke flask that you uh, use and you learn that um, because you can't, he will kill you. Um, I mean, if you're really, really, really good, you can kill him. It doesn't give you, I, I want to have that as an achievement later on. It doesn't give you any benefits really. But the thing is, he teaches you to sneak away from him. Like you, you sneak around him and then you you play more of the tutorial level and then the level loops around and in the end you get to him again and have learned that, hey, this guy has a really strong ranged attack. You have to uh, go into close combat with him and then you go into closer combat with him and then you can defeat him. And I thought that's, that's also kind of a, like a great uh, dramaturgy of this level 
And um, but yeah, to answer your question, it was I was kind of inspired by Elden Ring there, and also I thought this was a was a cool like dynamic and cool storytelling for this first uh, tutorial level. I like that. I mean, I, I it doesn't I, I didn't wanna um, tell you anything that is bad. <laughs> I actually like it because even in a tutorial, a player should be challenged. Uh, I'm mm -hmm. I'm all about the fair challenge. If you know me, I really like that because normally the tutorials like safe and ha huh, and he and who yeah. and this one is like yeah, <laughs> learn to use that potion right, or you are going to get fucked, bro. <laughs> and I love that. <laughs> I really love that. Uh, yeah, so is there anything else that you want to tell the audience about Battle Choose Alchemist? Um, what do I want to tell the audience? I mean, um, what I can tell them is um, I see when I make the game um, that I profit from feedback greatly. And uh, I, this is why I have this um, feature. Uh, I opted in for the Steam playtest feature. Many people don't even know of that and many games also don't do it. I think it's only about a year old um, that you can have. It's not early access. You do this, um, you can have players just um, opt in for a playtest and then they get a mail, hey, you got you got in. And um, this way you can really improve a game. I mean, I learned so much from the players and if I want to tell them anything about Battle Juice Alchemist is, I mean, try it out. You can play it now. It's um, uh, uh, on Steam and um, give me feedback. It's I don't want to sell it like, I mean, like buy my game, buy my game. It's um, at the current point in time, you can't even buy it. But if you if you think it's cool, hop onto the Discord and chat with me and let's make this a good game. And um, this is what I, I mean, we are I have a really small Discord. It's, I think it's not even 100 people on there, but it's it's so, it's cool and everybody gives, uh, gives feedback uh, when they play it and it's um, yeah, that's what I want to tell people like, if you're interested, like role-playing games and um, in the in this case it's um, the the thing we didn't talk about it's uh, the special mechanic is actually that the alchemist doesn't always get what he wants and um, he draws part of his um, flasks from his back and they are random so he can't look into his cauldron that's strapped to his back and then just pulls one out so you have this um, you have two skills that you always have but you get some at random and that um, makes for some interesting deck building mechanics so what do you put in your cauldron which 10 do you put in if you don't know which one you will pull out next and that's also a way of building your character anyways <laughs> i'm rambling about my game uh i think that's yeah that that's the important thing i want to tell people about it <laughs> okay so you have heard it do the play test i i demanded that you do it give him <laughs> feedback and join the discord all links are in the description for Thanks. that. With that, we are going to move on to our second topic. We, you know, we first talk about the game a little bit you are currently mm -hmm. doing. And then I want to talk with you about the general status of the gaming industry, because I feel like the gaming industry as a whole at the moment is a very interesting beast. It changed a lot yep. over the past decade. Mm -hmm in in i would say more negative ways than good ways mm -hmm. yeah I think that, definitely yes of course yeah uh, i think that the big the big change started around the when the playstation 3 and xbox 360 were released mm -hmm. so if you if you look at the gaming industry today mm -hmm. what's your least favorite trend yeah i mean um there are many things uh, that aren't ideal, uh, not at all. And um, yeah, ob obviously um, there's people, uh, people are treated really badly in, 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 in companies, there's harassment, there's uh, unfair hiring, and it's, um, that's, it's these things. And then there's also this trend, I mean, as I said, I'm very inspired by Diablo 2, and now and then there was uh, Diablo Immortal, and this kind of made, of made us all think about monetization a lot. And um, yeah, I think that's that's quite unfortunate that I mean, I don't know if, if I mean, what would I identify as the problem? I mean, the problem is that uh, Blizzard has to make a lot of money and um, so they slap on this type of monetization. And I mean, the, the developers, they the people working there in these companies, they would also, I think if he, if they could make it a premium game, like just buy it once, buy one price and then 
they would do it that way. So there's this um, this big, um, I don't know, economic aspect that that bleeds into the the gaming industry. But that's a problem. I mean, it's it's in all entertainment industry. It's also in movies that we only see like sequels and prequels and stuff because that's a safer bet. That's it's, it's always economics. We can't make these giant entertainment products without that. Still, it's fine to complain about it and say it's terrible. And I would say that, yeah, there there are terrible things in in this in this both both um aspects yeah i i always i always say that what you what you need or what you need what people need to understand is it is okay to make money what isn't okay is wanting to make all the money mm, yeah i'm it's, fairly it's, yes. certain if you look at diablo immortal and how bad it is like it's 20 times worse than normal gacha games even yeah. we, and we are talking about gacha games from the from china which mm -hmm. have like the worst gacha games and even yeah. diablo immortal outdid those and if you look at this fact then i say you are just morally bankrupt as a company whoever made the decision to and i do not blame the ground floor devs Please, please, yeah. please. These ground floor devs are slaving away in their offices wanting to work for Blizzard because they really, really, really did play the games when they were young and just were like, oh yeah, I want to work for this company. I want to make their games. I want to be part of this. Or they need yeah. money or for whatever reason. Yeah. So don't blame them. Who you have to blame is the people at the top always i do not blame a single ground floor death and and the worst part about all of this is underneath all this monetization pile of shit mm. is a good game because diablo immortal yeah. is not a bad game and that what hurts even more because mm -hmm. if they would have just made it cosmetic and mm -hmm. didn't hinder the progression or anything i think you would have had a great game for yeah. pvp and endgame content and it's it's just I feel like it's just bad and yeah. what they did there. And there is talking about monetization and I wanted to come back to that. Mm -hmm. Did you hear what, you know, the, the CEO of uh, the Unity oh, yeah. engine, the former yeah. CEO mm -hmm. of uh, Electronic Arts, which I lovingly and jokingly call John Rigatoni? <laughs> I actually, I I, uh, I heard what he said, yeah. <laughs> yeah, what, what do you think about that? As an indie dev, you are not using the Unity engine, but you're an indie dev. Yeah, I mean, um, he's quoted to have said, um, like, how did he say it? Everybody who doesn't make a free-to-play game and thinks about monetization first, every developer who does that is a fucking moron or something. Like a fucking idiot, I think he yeah, said, exactly. right? Yeah, it's uh, it's it's terrible <laughs> that he said that. It's what's stupid, and um, I think he re deeply regrets that. But he, I don't know if he regrets it from his heart, but uh, for his marketing, you know, for, for because it's it's bad for his image. But I don't know if he maybe he really thinks that. I don't know. Um, sometimes when you, I, I read the interview. And he also said in the text, in the like the sentence before, I don't know if you read that, he said, I, I love something like, I love discussing with these developers from my heart. I love them from my heart, but they are fucking morons or something. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was not like all hate. Like, hey, the, I'm, I'm having this product and they use it and they are idiots and I don't know. It was not that bad. Still, it was really bad. And it's, it's I mean... <sighs> I mean, the system is the system is the problem. It's also like when you said there are people on top of Blizzard, and it's uh, you could even go a bit further. They are still the people who make decisions. They are not the shareholders, and also the shareholders don't really directly make decisions. The system makes it. I mean, there's this this somebody you buy a share of the company, and you only get it's a it's an investment, and you only get your money back if if this um, company makes money, uh, as you say, all the money makes all the money. And so people are forced uh, to, to, to make these decisions. You know what I mean? Like there's not a manager who got rich of, okay, maybe, okay, managers sometimes get rich too, but not in this, it's, it's, they are also forced by this shareholding uh, principle. And that's, that's a problem. Like the system is, I don't know how to fix it. I, I'm just pointing fingers here on the, the system is so bad. I don't know how to fix it, but um, yeah, even the high tier people sometimes are, uh, not, not not to blame but in this case i mean he said that and that's he's to blame for what he says yes <laughs> yeah i mean in in this case he he said it and yes. his half-arsed apology didn't help either i no. read the apology it was it was bad and i mm -hmm. i'm i'm 
in the camp that he didn't mean it. But then yeah. again, I'm also not a fan of these big wig CEOs yeah, most um, of the time because they have shown time and again when you go into an interview or when you read an interview with them that mm. they are out of touch. I, I feel like if you are sitting on these high thrones, you shouldn't just like... You know, yeah. throw stones at each other. Yeah, I mean, there is. Yeah, it's there are certain uh, these positions attract a certain type of person, oftentimes, and they are not the best guys. And unfortunately, I have to say, like guys, because it's not girls, you know, and that's also a problem. Uh, oh, oh, believe me. Problem. Yeah. Be believe me, the CEO of Team Seventeen is a woman, and she also has shit. Uh, oh, I see. in her okay. closet so they they did a huge report on her on another youtube channel and uh, team 17 isn't run that great either okay it, it attracts maybe a certain type of you have to be a certain certain personality type to go into that career and to to enforce it to get to these positions and it's often not the best and 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 the most ethic character traits that bring you to that position and that's also a problem yeah Pro probably not but that also doesn't excuse how they act sometimes so and and that's that's basically my personal least favorite trend is like that everyone is just chasing after the big bucks had it with another development group that was on here recombobulator games it's like i'm missing like these double a games that used to release like playstation yeah. 2 and back from companies like capcom and electronic arts where they still would take a risk on a on a new ip you know like they wouldn't yeah butter all the money in it and they wouldn't focus test it to shit they would just mm -hmm. take a risk with it and if it were if it wouldn't work out it wouldn't work out that's fine but sometimes it just because these companies took a risk we have some great legacy ips mm -hmm. and yeah. i feel like this is missing like they don't build a catalog anymore what they do is they just thrive off of what they have and milk it for what it's worth. Yeah, I mean, um, I don't really know about the, the market like consoles. I'm not that deep into that. Um, but I mean, there are um, indie publishers uh, that, that do that, that it's starting. Um, that this changes. I mean, you can you have access over Steam. You can have can have um, uh, games in this double A range. It's mm. coming back at the moment, definitely. Mm -hmm. But there was a time where we just didn't have that, and I personally yeah. would wish that the triple A publishers would also go back a little bit into that market. That's yeah. my personal wish, not just indie yeah. devs. And the the console market is just it's just big things one after the other. Uh, you get mm -hmm. indie games to download, obviously, but mm -hmm. that's about it. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. And that's kind of a shame, you know? And if, you, if you're just a console player, you miss out on some great stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure, yeah. So, but yeah, if you if you have access to Steam or to Itch.io <laughs> or to GOG, which are my three favorite platforms of all time, you get good mm -hmm. stuff. <laughs> yeah. That, that is for sure. So, what is your favorite trend about the video game industry currently hmm what's my favorite trend it's actually so hard to say because um i have, I have to admit that i um i really don't play at the moment i don't play so much because it's it's just so much work i put like every hour i have put into the game and it's and i enjoy it so much that i don't sometimes um, I don't even get to play, as I've said before, like Elden Ring comes out and I love what I see, but I don't have the time to, to get into it. So I watch some streams and, but that's still fine. So maybe, maybe it's that, maybe it's this, <laughs> okay, that's not new or anything, but that um, the gaming community, you can be, I mean, there are so many people, for example, who watch Age of Empires 2 streams and never played a game. They just love the game and say, okay, this is really hard to get into, but I love to watch duking it, uh, people duking it out who are at a really high skill level. And maybe it's that, maybe it's um, that gaming became um, so widely available on the internet and that it becomes um, something that you not only uh, play on your computer alone in the dark, but you can also chat with people about it, watch other people play and experience games 
that you couldn't otherwise because I could not if I I could not have experienced Elden Ring in any way I mean if I had played it I had would have had a totally different and more in-depth and the way it is meant to be experienced by being played I mean that's of course the first thing you should do but the next best thing is watch somebody play it and it's I think that's a super cool thing you should watch my streams <laughs> I should I, I, I mean no I'm just kidding <laughs> I really should I, and, I, and I will as I said um, because when we scheduled this interview um, I, we, we weren't familiar we were introduced by a, a com, uh, person we, we, we know and then um, before before we started I started listening to your podcast and I will listen to another episode and another one and I will definitely listen to all of them and I'm, I'm quite sure I will uh, like your stream as well. My stream is actually pretty different from my <laughs> from my podcast. Okay. From the podcast, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, okay. I'm more having goofy fun there, just for, for the heck of it. But it's okay, if, if you want to check it out, you're welcome. If not, it's also okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. When I, when I talk about trends in the video game industry, um, I don't really mean like games itself, but also stuff that happens around the video game industry, for example. It's what well, my favorite trend is that it's more accessible for a lot of people to just make games. That definitely is. Of course, yeah. I mean, uh, I couldn't, I wouldn't be writing my own engine. I would, I, I wouldn't be making games if there wasn't Unreal Engine or, or anything like that. Um, not in that scope, at least. Um, that's, that's an amazing thing. Of course, yeah. It becomes accessible for people to dive into that, and uh, it's one of the most rewarding things you can do because I feel like there's no other medium that, that, that where you can combine so many things. And I love so many parts of that i really i enjoy coding a lot it's so it's like i always say it's like cracking nuts it's it's like playing coding it's like playing a puzzle game and a bit of googling but still a lot of just cracking nuts with your head and then there's designing and stuff and all these things wouldn't be because we couldn't bring a product a finished product that people want to play without these engines in many cases i mean there are people that do it from scratch and stuff that's and that's also super admirable but yeah i 100% agreed it's great that it's um, so available these days and that they are also that their monetization also is that you don't have to play like um, upfront I think um, you, you talked about RPG maker I think there you pay upfront but it's not it's not like a lot right oh RPG maker is the, the good part about RPG maker is it's actually fairly cheap like if yeah. you just have the standard set of stuff it's like the price of a video game like $60 I Exactly. Yeah. If you if you obviously want more resources, more graphics and stuff like that, um, you have to pay, or yeah. you go onto the internet and search for it, and you find a shit ton of stuff for free. <laughs> because see. the yeah. community and and this is like this is the great stuff about RPG Maker. The community is extremely well geared towards it, especially if you have in in any case. The, it also obviously depends on the community you have. Like the Unreal Engine is obviously licensed by a lot of big studios because it's just that good. But also smaller devs create a lot in in the Unreal Engine, and there's yeah. also a big community around it. So you can have this exchange that you need. Yeah. Or if you want to ask somebody, hey, how can I make this happen? Somebody will help you. Definitely. And, and it's also for small studios, they can also make um, uh, like secondary money a little bit uh, by selling assets. They can also, you know, I mean, if there wasn't an asset store, um, then this can bring like secondary income to, to uh, companies, I guess. Um, or if you start out, you say, I, I want to make my own game, but you start out making assets um, to, to, to earn your rent. That's also cool and something you maybe couldn't have done 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's also a thing. So you you have actually a lot of options these days just to basically tinker with your dream and learn it. There's so many resources out there and I feel it's very empowering. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. That That is my favorite trend at the moment. And that's why we also get cool stuff like, uh, what was the one game called? Uh, Golden Light, exactly. I don't know if that's an Unreal Engine, but... Mm -hmm. Or, or Hidden, Hidden is great. Um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of boomer shooters. Mm -hmm. So Hidden is like a Doom total conversion. Uh -huh. uh, fantasy shooter, like it's, it's, it's amazing. That follows me on Twitter. San, shout out to you. <laughs> I love you. I love your work. Uh, and yeah, like we, we get a few great projects just 
So yeah, a lot of them. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's that's cool. Hmm? You just you just have to know what suits your taste and where to look. That that's yeah. basically all. But you can find these gems, and I feel that is very empowering to a lot of people and especially to indie devs because I feel like ten years ago being an indie dev was probably a lot harder than it is today. Yeah, yeah. It actually is yeah it's um what you said it's uh, when we were talking about the monetization also of these engine the cool thing is um you don't i don't know when that changed but when i was starting out with unreal engine it was already completely free and um you only have to give um uh, you have to give them 10 percent after you earned a million with your project and that's like I mean, that's such a fair thing because if you if you earned uh, quite a lot of money with your project, it's totally fine uh, to give Epic a share of that. And um, yeah, that's super cool. And I didn't talk about that uh, before. I mean, um, I got an Epic Mega Grant um, uh, in in February, so they also give. Uh, devs like a chance to to continue working because this is actually what kept me afloat also that um, that this epic mega grant came in this wasn't it wasn't that much that I could hire everybody back but it was enough to to pay the outstanding bills and stuff and um, to not eat away all my retirement money and stuff <laughs> it's um, it's cool that they do that um, and yeah just wanted to mention that that's also something that's happening um, that uh, there's opportunities for grants. That's uh, that's also a good development. Yeah, and I'm very happy that you got that because I feel like your game has a lot of potential and I need to see that completed. <laughs> I will do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what's your favorite game of all time? It's um, it's not that easy to answer. Um, I would say if, if um, the game I recently, over the last years, that I played a lot and liked a lot was uh, For the King. Are you familiar with that? It's a board an, game, yeah. Yeah, it's like it's a lot like a board game, and I love to play that also on the couch. And um, um, it's th that's super cool. I love that. That was a recent one. Um, the game I um, also play a lot since the 90s is Age of Empires 2. I love that. Um, I'm not very good at it, but I have a friend and we play it together. Um, he's also the um, QA tester for Battle Dose Alchemist. And uh, when we don't talk about uh, Battle Dose Alchemist, we play Age of Empires together. And I appreciate that a lot. The game is just amazing and it's so cool that it came back a few years ago. So we can play it again and it's easy to play it online without having to go to any forums and find people to play with. That's super cool. And um, but some also what I have the, the game that I have very dear in my heart is Monkey Island 2. I don't know. I love that game for all the atmosphere. Um, it's it's I, I play it again and again. I also like it better than the first one. I don't know. I love the love the graphics, the DOS graphics, and makes me also think about my childhood a lot. I remember playing it when I was really young, and um, so I think that's that's that might be the three that in different ways are the most the ones I have dearest. Yeah. Good choices. I'll allow it. <laughs> okay, last question and then we wrap it up. Cool. How can video games achieve world peace? How can video games achieve world peace? Yes. That's interesting. Um I think okay, uh, uh that's not like the <laughs> one answer is um World cheese, world cheese. No, world peace can be uh, achieved. I think if um, if the if wealth is distributed fairly over the world, you know, if everybody has enough to eat and doesn't have to fight about uh, over resources, then we are a good step closer to world peace. So, uh, so you need money <laughs> to achieve world peace, and what you also need is uh, another key is education. You need to educate people, and um, so if I try to connect um, games to that, uh, games can make a lot of money, and maybe we should uh, kind of tax. Uh, the 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 companies that make absurd amounts of money, so they can contribute to uh, world peace by giving resources to the places where it's needed. So maybe that's a point, and maybe they can also educate. Maybe they can make um, people smarter by telling stories that make them think about issues, and um, so they yeah, so they think about that and um, bring um, so they get educated and make smarter decisions, so we can get to world peace. That, that sounds amazing. I I feel like video games could achieve world peace. 
<laughs> okay, so it has been an absolute joy, Alan. Thank you for yeah, coming. Yeah, for me too. It was so great. Uh, thank you so much that you had me. Well, once your game is near, is ready or is nearing the finish line, you're absolutely welcome to come back. That would be great. Yeah, let's do that. I, it will be some time from now. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for the invitation. Let's do that. And all your listeners, if you want to support me, please consider subscribing to my Patreon. You get early access to the podcasts there uh, already at the first tier. And if you go the tiers up, you get more content like uncensored reviews of uh, very saucy games. You can also join the Discord with your subscription to the Patreon, and it's patreon.com slash Don't forget to like and subscribe, and if you enjoyed the podcast, obviously, and to all your listeners, thank you for listening. Have a good time. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.